podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome back to the Villa View. It's time for a match preview. It was Villa take on Spurs in a massive game at Villa Park on Saturday. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by my transfer talk colleague and Villa fan, Dave Reid. And actually, from what we hear in the last few days, we could be quite busy talking about Villa in the summer, which would be really, really nice, Dave. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on again. That's our pleasure. Our pleasure to have you, Dave. Always welcome on the channel. Now, I've been doing another podcast, so I haven't seen it, but Unai Emery has, has done his press conference. Villa have a fully fit squad this weekend for what feels like the first time in a long time. Yeah, and Unai Emery said that, I think, in his news conference today. He said that it, it's the first time that he's been able to call on everyone. I think the only one that's unavailable is Jed Steer, which has kind of been the story of his last couple of years. So everyone is fit and available. That includes Matty Cash. Um, we've seen him in a few of the training picks uh, he is available and also Diego Carlos as well, ready to play a part again. So, yeah, interesting to see his team selection this weekend. Do you think Diego Carlos will play a part or perhaps even start? I kind of felt that that happening in the Wolves game was maybe an insight into what would happen in this game. I kind of like the thought of Conser being at right back up against Son. I know Son's not been great this season, but he absolutely destroyed Villa last season. I kind of like the thought of Carlos coming into that back four for this one. Yeah, I mean, I get the feeling in an ideal world, he would have reintroduced Diogo Carlos a little bit sooner than he has done. But I think partly that's due to how well that we've been playing and the fact that he hasn't wanted to kind of upset the apple cart mm. by chopping and changing too much. So I think probably Diogo Carlos is kind of up to speed in terms of his, his kind of non-match day fitness. But for me, it would be a little bit too soon to start him in a game, seeing as he only had a few minutes last weekend. So I think... Probably it will be the same back four. Um, my would be my would be my kind of hunch on it. Uh, just just the simple fact that the injury that Diego Carlos had that Achilles is such a horrible injury, and you won't want to reintroduce him and start a game of this kind of magnitude. Even though you know he showed glimpses of what he can do against Wolves last weekend, I think it probably would be for me anyway a little bit too soon to start him in this game, given the fact that his injury was so bad. Yeah, Villa's other big summer arrival was, of course, Bubakar Kamara, who's also missed fair chunks of, of the season with injury. He'd be a likely one to come back in for this big game because it is a huge game for Villa. It'd be nice to see him and, and Louise back in the central midfield together, wouldn't it? I think so. I think that's a shoo-in for him to start uh, against Tottenham. I think, you know, we have missed him a little bit. I know John McGinn played inside against Wolves um, and, it, you know, the Wolves game was... It wasn't, it wasn't the best and it wasn't the worst performance. You know, there were good things in there. There were some not so good things in there. And, uh, you know, Thomas Frank, the Brentford manager, talks a lot about the randomness at football, of football. It kind of felt like one of those games where on another day we would have scored, we would have got a point out of it. And I think we would have been satisfied with a point. But sometimes those, those games happen and sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. And that's just football. So there were some good things, there were some not so good things. But I think for me, Bubakar Kamara, if he's fit and available, comes straight back into the centre of that midfield alongside Douglas Louise. Do you think perhaps Bailey comes into the starting eleven as well? He obviously got 45. Yeah. Do you know what? I was I was thinking about this a little bit earlier today and I wasn't sure whether people would jump down my throat if I said that Leon Bailey might might come come in. But for me, the places where Tottenham are weakest is down the sides. And I think Leon Bailey has 
a lot of kind of he has a lot of explosive movements and he's one that can beat a player. And for me, I'd love to see him up against Emerson Royale and Pedro Porro down the Tottenham Hotspur right on our left-hand side. So I think the reason that I would start him up front uh, alongside Ollie Watkins and let him have that drifting role, he can drift out wide to the right-hand side. If the space is down there, he can drift out wide to Aston Villa's left-hand side, the Tottenham right, and he can cause problems. Um, you know, Buendia, maybe his level's dropped off a little bit the last couple of games. Is it time to, to move him out of the team and give Leon Bailey a start? I think, you know, Ramsey will start down the left-hand side and then McGinn will shift out to the right with Kamara coming in. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. I think um, Ryan Mason's made a, a bit of a tweak. I think it was last week against yeah. Crystal Palace, wasn't it? Where he kind of played Emerson Royale as a, as a, a situational kind of right centre-back uh, with Romero in the middle. Uh, and, and Longley, the left-sided centre-back, Longley's injured. Um, and then when that was kind of when they had the ball, and then when they didn't have the ball, they kind of switched to a 4-4-2 formation with uh, Royale shifting over to right-back, Pedro Porro playing right midfield. Um, so for me, if, if Tottenham are without the ball in a 4-4-2, I want to see Leon Bailey up against Emerson Royale and moving in between those spaces to try and cause them problems. And then we'll, I'd like to see McGinn and Ramsey moving inside to try and sit on Hoybjerg and, um, and Oliver Skip on those two defensive midfielders for, for, top, for Tottenham. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like you say, there was those tweaks last week. Tottenham needed to do something because they couldn't go on shipping goals in, in the manner that they've done. But I've only seen the highlights, in all honesty. I've not gone back and watched 90 minutes of Tottenham against Crystal Palace. But it, it did look like it freed up Porro and he had, he had a lot of the ball and he looked quite dangerous. You know, he's a player that's coming in with, with some pedigree. The Portuguese league is, is a strong league and they've, they've signed him from Sporting, uh, I think it was. And, and Porro's come in, he's... He offered them a lot of width and he got a lot of space because they moved Palace around and they managed to switch the ball to Porro quite frequently. And Royale is no good going forward, but he's he's okay with recovery speed. He's okay at defending. So actually, the balance of their side was better and it, it took Eric Dyer out the firing line as well, which I think was needed because he was having a, he was having a torrid time. He was gets caught flat-footed so much in, in recent weeks, I, I'd noticed. And I think those little changes to Tottenham, it helped them. So... They've been rubbish for weeks, but they've come to Villa Park off the back of a win, which is slightly frustrating from our point of view. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I didn't go back and watch that Tottenham game against Crystal Palace either. But from from what I've read and the, the highlights that I saw, I mean, listen, it wasn't vintage Tottenham Hotspur. It wasn't like they were flying all over the place and no. they were full of confidence. It was a, still a fairly ordinary performance. But I think from a Tottenham point of view, the most important thing for them was a clean sheet and then, and then managed to get that. Ryan Mason has has almost given with, with one hand and taken away with the other. He's, he's, he's freed up Pedro Park. Everybody's been itching to see the best of him and they haven't managed to get the best out of him at all this season. He was one of their marquee signings. So they've freed up him. But on, on the other hand, they've, they've had to drop out Dejan Kulusevski, whether that's form-wise or, or tactical. And then also Ivan Perisic. Now, both of those players have been high in Tottenham's chances created numbers and expected assists as well. And it's almost he's, he's given with one hand to try and give Pedro Porro that little bit of freedom and taken away a little bit with the other and having to bench Ivan Perisic, having to bench Dejan Kulusevski. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what they do on the left-hand side because uh, Longley's injured. Eric Dyer came on for him. Now, whether Eric Dyer wants to play as a, as a kind of left-sided centre-back, um, it'd be interesting to see whether he, he plays that when, when Tottenham are on the ball or whether they switch him into the centre of that defence with Romero switching out to the left and they might alter and put Ben Davis as the kind of left centre-back, yeah. left-back option. So it'd be, there's decisions for Ryan Mason to make as well. 
Um, but Poro will probably be the danger man down that right-hand side. Set pieces as well. I think he took all the set pieces for, for Tottenham against Crystal Palace. He'll be one to watch with crosses looking for Harry Kane and set-piece delivery as well. I mean, as a manager, you want as little disruption as possible. And to, after they've won 1-0 and kept a clean sheet, you probably want to move around as little players as you possibly can. So that would say to me that maybe they just shift Ben Davies back into to left centre-back and Perisic comes in. Someone told me earlier, Perisic had got eight assists this season. I've got to say, I've not been that impressed with him at Tottenham, but those eight assists have certainly passed me by. So I just think to have as little disruption as possible, that might be what they do rather than put Dyer in and maybe have to play Romero on the left or Dyer on the left. Putting You're then putting people into areas that they're not massively comfortable. I mean, I hope they do that because obviously that's what that's what we want to see. But I have the feeling Ben Davis will, will move back inside. Interesting you talk of the front three as well because the makeup of that has changed. In recent weeks, Richarlison, of course, scored his first goal in the Premier League season a few weeks ago against Liverpool. He's come in. I mean, on paper, still, Richarlison kind of signed. He's a very good front line. But whilst Kane's form just never seems to drop, those around him, Kulizewski, Son and Richarlison, their levels have been nowhere near this season. Yeah, let's hope we don't see the pigeon uh, on the weekend. Because uh, oh, that's one of the ways. I don't want to see a Son hat trick like last year. Either. Probably the best Villa played under Stephen Gerrard last season. We still lost four 0 Yeah, it was. It was. It was. A, it, we played really well, really well in that game, and ended up on 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 the losing side. Um, yeah, I mean, the front front three is an interesting one. I mean, Harry Kane's form is is just out of this world, and he's he's on a different level to any other player at Tottenham Hotspur. But Son's a funny one. I mean, there were there were whispers that you know when. Tottenham before they tried to sign Richarlison and they wanted to sign a forward. And I was asking Tottenham fans, why, why are you trying to sign a forward? I mean, Hongmin Son's absolutely outstanding. He's a top level forward. Uh, and, and the Spurs fans were kind of saying, well, he, he's dropped off a little bit and his form hasn't reached those heights again that it has done previously. And now they've brought in Richarlison, they've got Kulisevsky, seen a few stories floating around that maybe they won't trigger the option to buy on Kulisevsky because they're not too happy with his form. But you're right, Richarlison on paper, Hongmin Son on paper, Harry Kane on paper. It's a it's a frightening front three, and it's a you know it's a top four front three as well. So mm. the fact that Tottenham aren't chasing really Champions League football anymore anymore says a lot about the uh, the kind of the way their season has gone, the coaching that they've been working under uh, under Antonio Conte and, and Christian Stellini. I mean, I did a podcast earlier for Who Scored with Jonathan Wilson, and there's a section within that where you pick a combined eleven from t- from two teams that are playing. It was Villa v Tottenham this week, and Jonathan Wilson he chose ten Villa players. And Harry Kane, that was that was the doom that, that he picked. So that tells you the the state of Tottenham at the moment. Yeah, I'm tr- I'm, I'm trying to think who else might have a case. I mean, Son Son might have a case. Might you do, your still. players aren't fit either. So like Benton Kerr, for example, wasn't considered because he because he's not mm. fit. He was just saying on current form, I wouldn't pick any Spurs players. I'd pick 10, 10 Villa players because Villa have been on better form. I know Villa have lost twice in recent weeks, but Villa are just a better team than Spurs at the moment. Yeah. That's how he saw it. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't argue with the names on paper in the Tottenham Hotspur team. I mean, I'm I'm quite a fan of Hoiberg. I think he's a really intelligent, quality player. But you know, Tottenham just haven't shown the form that their squad on paper suggests they should be. They should be at the level they should be at this season, and 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 you know, there's a number of contributing factors to that. But they've just been a bit of a shambles recently. Um, and Ryan Mason's come in now towards the end of the season. They've lost their managing director of football in Paratici. They've well, lost a lovely pronunciation con- there. Dave. Well, I, I try oh, I concentrate on that then. I concentrate. Uh they've lost Conte, they've lost Delini. It's a total refresh for Tottenham um this summer. And they're kind of 
limping towards the end of the season with the hope of, of getting some Europa League football. So hopefully we can try and take advantage of that. I think the one thing that plays in Tottenham's favour is Ryan Mason's itching. He's eager. You know, I don't think he's going to be one to let these Tottenham players kind of let the season drift away from them because I think in his first presser as Tottenham manager, he said he was ready nine times or something, something like that. He, you know, he wants to impress. He wants to do things that might be able to lead him on to a, to a job down the line. So from a Tottenham perspective, Ryan Mason won't be letting them sit on their laurels for the rest of the season. It's a huge game this one. You know, when we played Newcastle, I felt like that game was really hyped and it was on, I suppose it was on TV. It was the first game of the, of the Premier League week and I felt like there was a massive build-up to that, a real sense of anticipation. I haven't felt that about this game, although arguably it's actually a much bigger game. Yeah, it's funny. The Newcastle game, it was like, um, it was like a drug and it was... It got. I'm not sure where I'm going this analogy, but it was like a drug. We're not advocating we were, drugs, that's we for were, sure. Everyone was so high, and we were searching for that high again. And it's not quite come since the Newcastle game. I think performances haven't quite reached that level. And, you know, sometimes that can happen. You're not going to be able to f- perform at the same level as Villa did against Newcastle every single week. But we've kind of been, the fans have been itching and searching for that high again from the Newcastle game because it was such a complete performance. So... The build-up to that one, you know, Unai Emery didn't play it down, did he, did he, the Newcastle game? And I don't think he's played down this game today, talking about, um, you know, I think the question was put to him about this game being a must-win game for them. And, you know, he wasn't exactly shutting that question down. Yeah, so he, he'll be building it up to the players in the dressing room. They'll know exactly what to do this weekend. And they'll be hoping they can replicate that Newcastle game performance. Yeah, so what's your score prediction then, Dave Red? What are you going for? Uh, I'm going to go for a 1-1 one, one draw, I think. 1-1 one, one draw. Yeah, that's, that's going to be my prediction. It's not helpful to us, though. It's not, it's not at all. It's not with at Liverpool all. next week. Oh, I think we'll win. I want to go 2-1 to Villa. It feels inevitable that Harry Kane will score at some point because he's just on complete fire at the moment. He only needs a sniff of goal and it's in the back of the net. But we have got we need to start putting the ball in the back of the net again because it's been a couple of games without a goal for us. But I think at home, I think the atmosphere will be up. I think this is such a huge, huge game. I think if we can get that atmosphere going again, the players will thrive off it. And Tottenham have got that weak mentality, I would say, within them. If it starts to go against them, Villa can take advantage of that. So, yeah, I'll go 2 1. I think they've made them one of the highest uh, mistakes leading to goals, errors leading to goals. So, if we can get at them early, particularly you know, if, if Dyer comes into that side, I think he's vulnerable at the moment. I like him as a player, but I think he's vulnerable at the moment. So, if we can get at them early, I think we've got a, we've got a re- very good chance. Yeah. Okay. Well, we like my prediction a lot more than we like yours. <laughs> Dave, thanks ever so much for coming on and chatting with me as ever on this match preview show. Go back and check out 1874 that was released last night. Greg and myself looking over the new hierarchy that's coming to Villa Park and the control that Unai Emery has over the football club. It's a no, not because of me. It's a, it's a good watch and a good listen because Greg, Greg's got a lot of info in there. So go back and watch that if you haven't done already. We've also got the Stato preview. That'll be tomorrow afternoon or evening at some point. So watch out for that. Subscribe to the channel with your post notifications on so you know exactly when the videos are coming. And leave us a nice little comment and a cheeky like as well if you have enjoyed the video. As I say, I'll be back tomorrow with Stato. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Thanks to Dave. Up the villa. Podcast Network.